are in a series called The Reality of Life, and we, we talked a little bit about life and life's concept, and last week we kind of talked about life paths and the paths that are before us. God said in one scripture, I set before you life and death, and we think, hmm, I better choose life. I think that's the better one. But how many know there are so many paths before us? Uh, that we go down. There's forks in the road. There's, do I go this way or that way? There's the high road and the low road. There's the right path and the left path. There's the right path and the wrong path. And, uh, you know, all of those things, were, uh, you know, are all before us. And one of the things that we know, we find ourselves in situations, and when you look back, you find that you've been going down a path. I don't care how old or how young you are, you are on a life path. You have to make a decision, is it the right path or the wrong path? Come on. We have to be able to open our eyes. We have to be able to discern, where am I? You know, one of the things that I've always been told uh, when you want to get out of debt, if you find yourself in debt, the first thing you need to understand is, where am I? I mean, how much does it take to get out of the situation I'm in? First, you have to count the cost. Come on, Jesus said a wise man would count the cost before he just begins to build. And so we have to understand where we are. And when you look at where you are today, you are a culmination right now today of decisions that you've made. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, life decisions. Some of us have made very good decisions. Some of us have made bad decisions, and we find ourselves in bad places. Some days you make good decisions, some days you make bad decisions. But you are where you are because of decisions. And decisions are something that everyone has to make. We have to make decisions. Good sound decision making is necessary for living life productively. And you know, my definition of life, my definition of life is something that God has given us and it is meant to be lived productively and it is meant to be a fulfilling experience for us. It is meant for us to get the most that we can out of life. And in order to do that, there's certain things that we have to do. We have to make good decisions. Come on. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs uh, chapter 3. I want to go through some, th th some things in, in Proverbs chapter 3. And... Uh, talking about decisions. You know, our English word decision uh, really initially it meant to resolve difficulties with one quick stroke. That's what the word first meant. But now, as it has evolved, it means to make up one's mind and to act upon it. To make up your mind and to act upon it. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm just going to begin at verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version of Proverbs chapter 3. And the Bible says this. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so, find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And then, 
He goes on to say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall certainly direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes, verse 7. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. This is good stuff here. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And not only that, and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Why? So that your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. I would venture to say that there's some good stuff in that passage of Scripture. That if we would live by, we would be successful in life. Come on, somebody. You know, making decisions has to be a part of our life. It kind of reminds me of a story and, and how we make decisions sometimes. There was an old Scottish lady and uh, she traveled across the countryside and she sold threads and she did sewing in different villages and, and, and she, she made shoestrings and buttons and all of these types of things. And when she came to an unmarked crossroad, how she would make her decision into what village she would go to is she would toss a stick out in the crossroad. And in whichever way that the stick pointed, that's the way that she would go. That's the village that she would go to. And that's how she made her decisions. Well, she came upon a crossroad one time, and she tossed her stick out in the road. And then uh, she looked at it, and then she went and grabbed the stick and came back, and she tossed it again. And then uh, something happened there, and then she went out and grabbed the stick, and she tossed it again. And someone was there, she didn't notice, observing her. And this young lady came and said, excuse me, ma'am, I see you're tossing your stick out into the road. Why do you keep going back and getting the stick and tossing it over and over? And the woman said, because it keeps going to the left and I want to go to the road on the right. Some of us go through life making our decisions that way. We, we sort of manipulate the decision-making process. We know which way we want to go. And so when we get counsel and maybe we read scripture or maybe we look at experiences or maybe our mom and dad or a mentor or someone tells us certain things, but if it doesn't line up with what we already wanted to do in our heart, we'll go to someone else. Come on. Or we'll go to another different book and read some principles from that book until we can get it to line up, come on, with the right decision. Another story, before uh, they got married, a couple decided that he, the husband, would make all the major decisions. It's kind of like my marriage. And the wife, she would make all the minor decisions. After 20 years of marriage, he was asked how this had worked. And he, like me, said, great. I've never had to make a major decision. We haven't had any major decisions. <laughs> All the decisions have been minor. In other words, every decision to be made, she made it. <laughs> Come on. Listen, good sound decision making is necessary for living life productively. 
and efficiently. Come on. Human, natural understanding is never enough. We must acquire God wisdom and God perspective if we're going to make decisions. You know, an excerpt from the passage of Scripture we read, we know it very well. Most of us trust God from the bottom of your heart, one version says. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything that you do, everywhere that you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. And another version there says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Come on. Remember the Lord in everything you do. He will show you the right way to go. He's been there before. Come on. He knows the right way to go. There's a life decision prayer that I now have begun to pray every time I need to make a decision in my life. And it goes something like this. Lord, today I humble myself and ask that you show me the way I should go. Give me the wisdom to make every decision, great and small, according to your will and your word. How many would say that that's a great prayer to pray? Come on. How many would say that that's a great prayer to pray? Well, I want you to do me a favor this morning. Why don't you just say that prayer with me? Come on. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Lord, today I humble myself and ask that you show me the way I should go. And give me the wisdom to make every decision, great and small, according to your will and your word. Now, we read some excerpts from, from Proverbs that God makes some promises. If you do this, your barns will be full. In other words, you'll never be in lack if you would do what I'm telling you to do. You'll have a fulfilled life if you would look to me for direction. Come on. There are different kinds of decision makers. People use the decision making process a lot differently. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to make decisions sometimes. There are areas of our life where it's an easy decision. When God says, I put before you life and death, you choose, that should be an easy decision. If you go and apply for three jobs, and this guy says, well, I'll give you $3 an hour. And this guy says, I'll give you $5 an hour. And the other guy says, I'll give you $10 an hour. And it's all the same work. That ought to be an easy decision, all things being equal. Come on. I mean, if two men ask you to marry him, and one guy's got a job, come on, uh, he's not in any debt, goes to church, listens to his mother, takes instruction from his father, and the other guy, he's still trying to find his way through life, doesn't really have a job yet, he's between jobs, come on, doesn't have any money saved up, but he's got a plan one day to get it together, talks back to his mother and says his father is an old fool. It ought to be an easy decision to me. Now, I know there are other factors, lady. I mean, I, I, ladies, I understand, you know, he got to look halfway decent. I, I get all of that. I understand it, but come on. There's some decisions in life that ought to be pretty easy. But all decisions are not like that. See, a lot of times we 
we, we, we either rush into a decision or we don't make a decision until all of a sudden the opportunity is gone. See if you find yourself in any of these categories. There's different types of decision makers. There are those who are thinkers. These people, their decisions are processed by logic. They see the world in what? Black and white. They don't like fuzziness. They don't like, uh, you know, things that are any, anything in a gray area. They focus on clear rules. They don't like variables. They seem to live without much emotion. They just go through life that way. I need all of the data, and once I have all the data, the data will tell me what I need to do. But there's no emotion in that. There's no fulfillment in that. It's just about the data. If anything is fulfilled, the data is fulfilled. The data gets to make the decision for me. Those are thinkers. There are others who are feelers, the opposite end of the spectrum. Decisions are processed by listening to their heart and the feelings of themselves and other people. They see life through their emotions and can be seen as rash, illogical, and at times unpredictable. They're spontaneous. They make decisions fast based on what they feel. I find this a lot in the church world. I just feel that the Lord told me to do this. What are you, are you, what are you doing now? Well, I quit my job. Why did you quit your job? Well, I just feel that it was time to quit my job. Well, do you have another job? Well, I haven't felt that far yet. I think you better feel how you're going to make your car payment. Come on. People just go by feelings alone. Now, with these first two, you can't throw the thinkers out the window. And you can't throw the feelers out the window. Come on, we need a combination. There are others who are interpreters. Decisions are processed through their experience. It's hard for them to believe someone knew because the other person, come on, the last guy told me that, so you're probably the same way. They interpret things based on their experience. They interpret anything and everything to affirm direction and decisions that are being made. They don't feel like they're in control. They feel like they're just, they'll go through life and life will tell me what to do. I'm not in control of my life at all. I make no decisions. Whatever God says, that's what I'll do. Well, here's the thing. There are some decisions in our life where when we pray, it is very clear. God speaks to our heart. But most of the time, now if you're honest, come on now. I'm not speaking sacrilege this morning. And I am a spiritual person. I believe that. But if you're honest... Every time you go for a job or every time a guy says, hey, let's go out, or every time you go to buy a car, you don't look up in the sky and a cloud forms in the form of the car you should get. Oh, okay, Lord, a Chevy, I can see it there. Well, Lord, let me see what color, and the cloud begins to turn blue. Okay, blue Chevy, yes, that's what I should get. How fast should it be? Well, then all of a sudden it starts forming the letter V, and then a 6. Oh, V6. 
I don't even know what that is, Lord, but that's what I'm going to get. A blue Chevy V6. Come on. I know I'm making fun of the process sometimes, but listen, it doesn't always happen like that. Now, for some, it does. Some see things clear. I, God speaks to us in visions. Come on. Through other people, there are prophetic, divine moments in our lives. There are things that happen that we know God is speaking to us. I'm not throwing that out the window, but I'm just telling you on an everyday decision-making process, there's a reason why God gives us wisdom, and I want to tell you something else. Common sense comes from the Lord. God gives us that, and it doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It just means that God has built some wisdom in you. Come on, interpreters. Along the same line, there are analyzers. Decisions are processed by standing back and seeing the big picture. Let's, let's look at the big picture here. What's the, what's the big vision of this whole thing? Well, someone came into the church and they need some help. Well, now hold on a second. Before we do that, let's look at the big picture. When Jesus died on the cross, and then there was a, there was a picture, and he told the church to go into all the nations and to help people and to baptize and to teach. And so you came to us, and so that's not us going into the net. You go somewhere, and then when we come to you, then we'll help you. These people look at the big picture, and they analyze. Now, we're not to throw the analyzers out either. Some people say that there are two sides to every question. There are two sides to flypaper as well. It just makes a difference what side you're on. Come on. And then there are the cheaters. Look at the person next to you and say, that's not me. Come on. Unless you are. Maybe you are. I don't know. Let's hope not. Decisions are not processed much at all. They let others make decisions for them. They don't trust themselves. They believe that others are wiser, so they default to the decision of someone else. That's why I call them cheaters, because they don't stand up and make a decision. They just see what others would say. And whatever someone else says, that, you know, then they'll go with that. They're cheaters because they don't want to get their feet wet. They don't want to take the heat. Come on, somebody. I mean, you're the boss. You're the supervisor. But you talk to the whole group. And then you take a vote. And then you draw straws. And then you get a feel for everybody. And what the whole group wants to do then, that's the way you go. That's what I call a cheater. You've got to be able to make a decision. Another story, a farmhand hired a man to work for him. Now listen to this. He told him his first task would be to paint the barn and said it should take him about three days to complete. Very specific instructions. Well, the farmer was amazed when he finished in one day. Then the farmer said, all right, I'm going to have you cut some wood telling him it would require about four days to cut this wood. To the farmer's amazement, the hired man finished in a day and a half. This guy's doing pretty good. The next task was to sort out a large pile of potatoes. He said, I want you to sort out these potatoes, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to separate them in piles, look at them and, and see which ones are seed potatoes, which ones are food for the hogs, and which ones would be good enough to sell. The farmer said, now this is a small job, and it shouldn't take very long at all. 
Well, at the end of that day, the farmer came back and found the man had barely started his task. What's the matter, the farmer asked. Well, the hired man said, I can work hard, but I can't make decisions. He couldn't go through it and make a decision. Some people are such that if you tell them exactly what to do, they can do it. But if you put something before them and they have to decide, they can't make decisions. They just can't do it. As a young man, Ronald Reagan, some of us my age remember Ronald Reagan. Some of you younger folks just think he was somebody in history like Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but it really wasn't that long ago. He was our president in the 80s. And Ronald Reagan, when he was a little boy, he went to a cobbler. Now, that's a person who makes shoes. They didn't have pay less back then. You had to go to someone to, to make shoes. And he had to get some shoes. And he said, I, I need some shoes. And the, uh, the cobbler said, okay, well, what kind of shoes do you want? Do you want square toe shoes or do you want pointed toe shoes? And he said, hmm, this is a true story. I don't really know which ones I want. And he said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Got some other customers I have to take care of. Why don't you go think about it and come back in a few days and then let me know what shoes you want. So he came back in a few days and uh, he said, did you decide on what shoes you want? He said, well, I know I need some shoes, but I'm not really sure which ones I want. He said, okay, all right. He said, go away, come back again. Well, the cobbler's walking down the street one day and he sees young Ronald and he says, uh, Ronald, hey, good to see you. Hey, have you decided on which shoes you want? He said, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. He said, okay, I'll tell you what. Come by my shop on Thursday, and I'll have your shoes ready for you. And he said, okay, that sounds good. So he came by on that Thursday, and the cobbler gave him the shoes, one square toe, one pointed toe. And Ronald Reagan got a great epiphany, a great revelation right then. If you don't make a decision, someone else will make the decision for you. Come on. And he used that in one of his speeches. He said, from this day on, I will learn to make decisions. I will learn to make decisions. So let me give you some practical principles for making decisions. Write these scriptures down if you want. At least write down the addresses and you can look them up later. Practical principles. This is wisdom here, folks. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Here, you know, here's one of the things that, here's a knock I have on young people. And I'm not looking in a seat of judgment to young people because one day long ago I was young myself. So all of us are included or were included in this at one time or another. But here's my knock on, on us when we were young or young people is that, when you talk about wise counsel, and I hope your young people are listening to me on this, when you talk about wise counsel, uh, you know one of the things that, that young people and in some others do as well, I, I need some direction on a certain thing. Uh, a lot of times, instead of going to someone who's already been there, instead of going to someone who already raised three kids, Instead of going to someone who's already made it through school, instead of going to someone who's been married for 20 years, they go to a peer. And the thing is, the peer is just as ignorant as you are. Now, come on, that's not a slam. But it is just the truth. You got no brains, and they got no brains. Come on, teenagers, the libido isn't even formed yet. 
I don't even know what that means, but I know. I believe that we need to go to someone more wise than us when it's time to make decisions. Well, should I date this guy? Should I marry this guy? And then you go to your girlfriend. She's looking at it the same way you are. She's looking, does he have biceps? And is he popular? You're looking at it the same. You need to go to somebody who has some wisdom. One of the things that I, I came to realize is I, I think that arranged marriages were not such a bad idea. I'm not saying I would do that. Come on. I, it's a different day. But I, I can see the wisdom in that. I can see the wisdom in it. Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Boy, how many of us, don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us who have lived life for some years and you look back and you say there's at least a few decisions that I certainly wish I would have gone back and listened to my dad on this one. I wish I would have listened to my mom. I wish I would have listened to my aunt or my teacher or my pastor or whatever it might be in this decision. Because we're here today based on decisions that we've made. And one of the things that you don't think about, especially when you're young and making decisions, is that this, there are decisions that will affect you for years. For years. Some have made bad decisions, and they are where they are today. And guess what? You can turn, you can face it, you can pivot, and you can turn, but it's going to take longer than a day. Come on. It's going to take longer than a week. You're going to wish that you wouldn't have eaten so many Big Macs at some point. <laughs> Come on. Because it might not affect you at 17. It might not affect you at 25. But when you get to be 38, you're going to look back and say, I wish I wouldn't have drank a gallon of Coke every day. I wish I would have given up the cigarettes. Come on. I wish I would have done something different because your doctor now has you knee to knee in a chair. And they're telling you, you are right on the cusp of diabetes. Come on. Your cholesterol is a little high. Or, you're, or now you're at a, a weight where, uh, you, you know, it's going to take a while to lose it. Come on. I, I mean, I've, I've been there. I'm not, I'm not dogging anybody else. I'm not what the young, a lot of us don't understand, but the young people call it sh throwing shade, don't you? I don't know. And... Uh, but I'm not doing that. I'm just because I've been there. I've, I've sat knee to knee with my doctor. And she said those words. And guess what? Now all of a sudden you got to change your lifestyle. Or if I would have just made a decision at a certain time in my life, now it wouldn't be like, oh, I got to change my lifestyle all around. Come on now. Decisions. Proverbs 9, 8 and 9, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will, still, he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. I don't care how much you know or how much you think you know. As long as you're always teachable, you can always be wiser. Come on. You always make good decisions when you're teachable. Proverbs 12, 13, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. The righteous is able to make it through no matter what they face. They're able to make it through. In Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Walk with wise people. So here are some tips. Those are some scriptures. 
Here's about seven tips, I think, that if you would just do these things, these are biblical tips, if you would just do these things, you'd be, a, this is practical living today, come on. I mean, I know we're not in the heavenlies this morning, I get that, but this, but God wants us to live. Listen, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you're not going to have it by sitting on your couch waiting for a spiritual experience to happen. Come on. The way you're going to have it is go out and get a job. Come on. And you're going to have to work. And you're going to have to be good to people. And you're going to have to treat people the way you want to be treated. And you're going to have to forgive. And you're going to have to ask for forgiveness. This is the way that you live an abundant life. Number one, be grounded in basic Bible knowledge. Be grounded. in. Ba- I'm not talking about be a theologian. You don't have to memorize 27 scriptures like Dietrich has and like Jody has. Come on. You ask them whatever scripture, they know it all. Sharon, she's, she's forgot more scripture than she memorized in her life. Come on. I'm not saying you have to be a great theologian. That's a compliment, by the way. You know, you have to be a great theologian, but basic Bible knowledge. That means you have to read your Bible. I'm going through a plan for the third year now, reading the Bible in a year. Actually, it's listening to the Bible in a year. I have, uh, you know, it's a little, uh, on, my, on my little app, I have it where I have certain scriptures that, you know, you listen to every day and you go through the whole Bible in a year. And it's, it doesn't replace my study time. It doesn't replace my time with the Lord. It's just something that I'm doing just to kind of get scripture in me because I want to stay refreshed on basic Bible knowledge. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Which way should I go? What does his word say? Basic Bible knowledge. Be a lover of God and the counsel of God. David said it this way, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are to all generations. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me unto glory. Be a lover of God's counsel. Love the way that God counsels you. Don't just throw your stick down and keep throwing it down until it gives you the answer that you want. There are those, come on, and I've been here too, who will will read scripture and keep on reading and keep on reading until it says what you want it to say. I remember seeing a little cartoon of a boy laying down on the, on the living room floor and he was reading the Bible and his sister came by and said, well, you've been reading that Bible all afternoon. What are you, what are you doing? I've never seen you read that much. He, he said, I'm trying to find some scriptures that line up with my theology. Come on. That's what we do sometimes. <laughs> Be familiar with godly principles that govern life. That's what that brother meant when he came up with those things that you put around your neck and those, those things you have on what would Jesus do? You know, we can really say, what did Jesus do? Not what would he do. I don't need to guess what he would do in this situation because he's already done it. Be familiar with godly principles that govern your life. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction. I know it's basic stuff. We understand it. We get it in our head, but we don't do it. That you may be wise in your latter days. You might be wise in your latter days. Be open and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is where you're going to mix word 
with spirit. So I'm not telling you not to be spiritual. I'm not telling you that God won't speak to you and God won't guide you. But there has to be some God in you for God to guide you. He no longer guides us from a burning bush. He no longer guides us from a booming voice in the sky. Can he do that? Of course he can. But he says, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will write my laws on your heart. You are to be wise and you are to know. That's why you accept Jesus in your heart. Come on, somebody. I accept him in my heart. That's why Paul said, have the mind of Christ that I might be able to make good and wise decisions in my life. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be comfortable with your own gift of common sense. I said it before, common sense is a gift. And if you don't believe me, just look around. There are some people who don't have it. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And you know some people. You just might not call them out by name. That's all right. That's the the right thing to do. You're using common sense yourself. Be friends with wise people. I know you have your friends. And of course, you should get your girlfriend's advice and, and your brother's advice and all of those things. But when it comes to making decisions, you together should go to a wise person, somebody who's been there before. Don't knock it. Don't knock it. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who needs counsel, listen to this, he who needs counsel is wise. He who recognizes that I need counsel is a wise person. A person who has it all together, one who is self-righteous, Jesus called them Pharisees. And he said they were sad, you see. Come on. They were self-righteous. They had it all together. They didn't need any help. They didn't need any counsel. But the Bible says a wise person realizes that they need counsel. Come on. Here's a big one. This is one that if we would just... This this one baffles me. Even in my own life, I, I baffle myself. Come on. I'll admit it. I mean, I look in the mirror and I say, my friend, you baffle me. Learn from your own mistakes and the mistakes of others. Doesn't that sound so simple? Why can't we do that? That person did the same thing and here you come along and do the same thing. I don't know if it's just me, but that baffles me as to why we as a people, period, Christian or not, that's just a principle. Learn from the mistakes of others. Read the book of, young people, read the book of Proverbs. I'm telling you, read, before you read Revelation, read the book of Proverbs. There is such wisdom in that book. Simple things that if you would just follow, like learn from the mistakes of... That's why your dad always tells you, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Come on. There's a reason for that. Learn from your own mistakes and the mistakes of others. You know, we, we've heard it and people talk about it. The definition of insanity. Come on, somebody. What is it? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It's the same thing. Come on. Use basic keys to making wise decisions. 
Acts 6, 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who, who we may appoint over this business. They were looking for deacons. Well, what should we do in looking for some deacons? What, how, what, what qualification? Should we take them through a test? Do they have to pass through an obstacle course? Uh, maybe we should give them uh, the wonderlick test. Uh, maybe we should give them this kind of test. Uh, maybe we, No, God just says, look, Find some people who love the Lord, come on, uh, who are full of the Holy Spirit, some who have good reputation. What about that? And then we'll appoint them over this business. Basic keys to making wise decisions. What does the Bible clearly say? Don't try to make it say what you want it to say. Come on. Also, do I have an inner witness? God speaks to our heart. You know right and wrong. Does this harmonize with my personal desires given by the Lord? Come on. What specific guidance can I discern? Have I sought mature counsel? Have I exercised my own common sense in some of these areas? These are basic things that you can use, basic keys in making wise decisions. God will give them to us. I mean, we have some biblical examples of, of right decisions. We need to learn from others. We just read in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Come on. Over in chapter 11, the, righteous of the, the, righteous of the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fail by his own wickedness. Your own wickedness will cause you to fail. But if you're blameless, that just means if you accept the righteousness of the Lord, your own righteousness will see you through. What does that mean? That means your own integrity. If you're a person that lives with integrity, if you're a person of character, that in and of itself can sometimes see you through situations. Integrity and character can help you make right, good, and wise decisions. Because let's be honest, there are some decisions that could go either way. There are some decisions in life that are fuzzy. There are some decisions, uh, you know, when, especially dealing with people that I, hmm, I just don't know. I mean, I see the pros and cons here. I see the pros and cons of this going this way, and I just don't know. But you can rely on your integrity. You can rely on your character. You can rely on basic Bible knowledge that God has given you to see you through these situations. Proverbs 4, 18, 19, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The wicked stumble over and over, and they don't even know what's making them stumble. Whose ways are crooked? The wicked. And who are devious in their paths? will cause them to stumble. There are some folks that Proverbs talks about. Proverbs tells us to go back and look at the mistakes of others and look at the successes of others. And then you can base your decisions on that. Now that's one part of it. But you can help that can help you to make your decisions. Look at Joshua. Always follow the Lord, he says. 
He, he said in, in 24, Joshua 24, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. He said, you can do all that, but guess what? As for me, you know it, in my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. They said that makes sense. Make a decision to serve the Lord. Always follow God. Caleb. Keep your spirit pure over in Numbers chapter 14. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it because his spirit is pure. These are people that we say they just have a good heart. They just have a good heart. There was a person named Shammah. Believe it or not, 2 Samuel 23. Stand in the time of trouble. When there's a time of trouble, don't shrink back. Come on, we can gain some wisdom from these people. Stand up in the time of trouble. You can do it. What about Daniel? Don't compromise biblical principles. When you know it's right and when you know it's biblical, don't compromise it. Well, there's nothing wrong with us living together because we're going to get married anyway. Come on. Going to get married anyway. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're totally going against the Bible altogether. You can make it sound how you want it to sound. But the fact of the matter is, God, not me. I'm not condemning you. I'm not even convicting you. But God said that fornication is a sin. God said that. And it will lead you down the wrong path. It's going to hurt you. So you can make it sound like what you want it to sound like. But Daniel said, don't compromise biblical principles. You have plenty of time in your life for all that God has laid out before you. What about Shadrach? Don't be squeezed into ungodly culture. I won't do it. I will not do it. Me and my two brothers, listen, we're going to stand on the word of the Lord. I don't care what the consequences are. You can throw us in the fire. And I'll tell you what, throw us in the fire. Because God's able to deliver us even from the fire. But guess what? Even if he doesn't, he's still God. That's where you have to stand. He's still God. I don't care what happens in the physical. Don't compromise your biblical principles and don't be squeezed into an ungodly culture just because everybody's doing it. Homosexuality doesn't seem like it's that wrong. In fact, it's politically correct. And if you say something against it, now you're looked at as a hater. Come on. You are a hater. You are non-tolerant. But it goes against the Bible and so I can't agree with it. I don't hate the person. I don't hate all liars. I don't hate all those who have stolen something. It's no difference. But they're all sins. They're all sins. What about Esther? She risked her life to make a difference. She actually lived out 
the true definition of love. The giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of others. The giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of others. Easy to say, easy to memorize, hard to live out. Especially without the love of God in you. Hard to live out, but Esther was able to do it. What about Ruth? She placed relationships higher than circumstance. She placed relationships much higher than herself. And what about Jesus? I'm talking about the Jesus that walked this earth. I'm talking about the Jesus that was like you and I. Walking the earth as a human filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You can do it. You can do everything he did when he walked the earth. Fulfill destiny at all costs. Don't be potential driven. Be purpose driven. Be purpose driven. What's my purpose? That's what I will fulfill. And finally, Paul. Fulfill your God-given dream. God has given you a dream. He's given you paths and he's set them before you. Fulfill what God has called you to do. I know that there are decisions in our life that are just difficult to make. Some here today may be facing a decision or some decisions that are just difficult to make. I don't know which way I'll go. Should I take the job or should I not take the job? Do I go with this person or do I not go with this person? What should I do? This is a difficult decision in my life. Do I continue in school or do I go into the marketplace now? What should I do? What do I do? Should I invest in this or not invest in that? Do I try to pay this bill off first? Come on. Or try to pay that one off? Or do I just try to save until I can pay them all off? Oh, there's some practical decisions that are difficult sometimes for us to make. But I want you to know this morning that God is with you. He has not left you alone. He has not left you without some principles. He has not left you without a way out wisdom and to figure out what I am supposed to do. He has not left you on the side of the road and for you to just figure it out on your own. But you'll never make the decision if you sit on the couch and wait for it to come to you. Some people make decisions that way. They just sit and let the opportunity pass and say, well, the decision is made for me. When if you would have stepped up and made a decision, come on. And then sometimes it's right or wrong, make a decision. We need to make a decision. God is here today to help you.